Before we get into it, I need to remind you that the Football Index podcast is supported by footballindextrader.co.uk, the best site for in-depth scouting and trading strategy. For the first time, you can now check out a free tour of the members' content before you sign up. Just go to the homepage and click on the Take the Tour button to see a whole month of player scouting from this season and some sample member articles too. As an exclusive offer for podcast listeners, you can give the site a try with a 25% discount on your first month with Fig. 25. That's over on footballindextrader.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 146. If you didn't check out last week's episode with Spoon FI, former Opta analyst, it was absolutely cracking. He gives us the ins and outs of what FI's relationship looks like with Opta and also just in general how Opta collate data, what the margin for error is there. And it was really, really insightful. I definitely recommend you all to go listen to that one. Today, I am joined by a bit of a mouthful of a name, Dry Off Your Cheeks. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. How are you, yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your Football Index journey? I guess I signed up for a Football Index, maybe... Start of the season, so August 2019. I probably heard of it back in maybe 2017. Took a quick look, looked very complicated, and that was about it for then. And then August 2019, I thought, right, I'm just going to take the plunge and put some time, put some effort into learning what the platform is, what it's about. Only put maybe what 50 quid in. I think everyone does. Started trying to follow the right accounts on Twitter, listen to this podcast, learning the ropes essentially. And then it probably wasn't until about March this year that with the deposit bonus and was it media madness around when football started getting cancelled with all them offers, I just thought, right, I'll take the plunge now and put some more money in, start taking a bit seriously. So yeah, I guess I've been active on the index for about five months, joined the Twitter community about two months ago. And if you haven't seen me, I'm dry off your cheeks, mainly doing some data statistics based Research, I guess you call it, a bit of data production, but mainly some research, long blog posts, theoretical thinking about how data can be used and what data we should be using in the football index community. Yeah, it's been really interesting to watch your growth from afar. Obviously, you've only started really creating FI content on Twitter recently, haven't you? And what's your background? What spurred this kind of very insightful, analytical venture on football index Twitter? So I am a data analyst slash statistical researcher. So I work as I've kind of been on Twitter following the kind of football analytics community for quite a while now, maybe like five or so years since it's kind of developed into kind of that trendy topic. Did quite a bit of stuff on fancy Premier League. I took that quite seriously, did quite a lot of data work on that just privately and then joined football index and kind of had the same kind of thinking but realised that there wasn't too much in the football index, like Twitter community, on in-depth data analysis and research, and just thought there was kind of a little bit of a gap in the market for me to kind of offer some insight and see if people thought it might be useful. Yeah, I think it has been useful. I think your recent blog post about how we should be using data was really interesting. Do you want to detail some of your thoughts around that and where people can find it? Because it was really interesting why you wrote it, etc. Yeah, so I've got a WordPress blog, Dry Off Your Cheeks, but you're probably best going to the Twitter account, Dry Off Your Cheeks, following the blog post in the bio. 
the kind of first few bits of analysis that I'm looking at is how can we best measure PV performance? So I think PV is one of the easier ones to analyze. There's a lot more data on it. And when I kind of got to the community, I just saw loads of different measures being chucked about for people saying why you should buy someone, why you should not buy someone. You'll have probably seen them all, PB average, peak PB, add the standard deviation in there, use the top three average. And essentially, I was looking at it and was like, well, which one should I use? Which one's better than which? And we can test that statistically. So you can run statistical tests. In my case, I use standard, something called linear regression, just to test the relationships between these measures and actually winning dividends. So that's where I kind of started. And then I quickly delved into, if these measures aren't great, what can we do better? And so I wrote a second blog post, firstly highlighting kind of the flaws that I found in these measures from mainly a theoretical perspective. And what I'm working on at the moment and what's hopefully coming soon in the next blog post is kind of how we should be measuring it differently. And it's quite in line with Index Machine, who you had on here recently. It's all about how you should be thinking probabilistically and not just creating descriptive statistics for the sake of it. Yeah, I mean, it's not meant to be an analytical pivot from the podcast. It's just kind of you guys have stacked on after another, you know, machine, a former Optin analyst and now yourself. Got loads of questions. But just before we get into it, I need to remind listeners about my Patreon. I do it every episode. So if you're skipping past now, I hope you feel very, very guilty. If you don't know what a Patreon is, it's where content creators create premium bonus and behind the scenes content for their audience. So in my case, I'm trying to help traders profit more on their Flipped Index journeys by adding as much insight and as much value through my content as I can. So there's £3, £5, £8 and £12 tiers, all without VNT included, unfortunately, all with different great perks. So do check it out for the best Flipped Index content around. So you head over to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash F-I guide. And there's about 63 people now, which is great fun. So let's get to 100 soon. Again, patreon.com forward slash fi guide to join a growing community at the pig pig the pig the fig patreon not the pig patreon that would be a weird patreon to do got some miscellaneous question here from bus Vissi fi what have you recently bought for two pound 49 he's doing my athletic plug earlier through a question which i find quite strange but nevertheless dry you off your own cheeks which is again a mouthful every time i have to say it i'm going to ask a question what have you bought recently that costs you two pound 49 it's thrown me off it coming this early in the podcast <laughs> without the prerequisite question or advert even. I did actually prep an answer for this. So I'm out in the countryside at the moment and I have hay fever. So I had to do a quick stop down at Boots to buy hay fever tablets. And I didn't realise how much of a rip-off they were. Oh, mate, it's madness, isn't it? But apparently they are over £2.49. They are well over £2.49. Well, well over £2.49. Disgusting stuff, isn't it? We've got a question from the Lang FI. Do you like stats and that? I like this one. I presumed it was a little rhetorical <laughs> if you've gone through anything on my profile. But yeah, as I said earlier, kind of in the intro, I am a data analyst, a statistician by trade. I love football, but in recent years, I've followed football analytics just as much as I've been following football. And that's kind of like how I like to understand the game. It's just in my nature, I guess. It's a hobby that I do. As I said, I've done it with Fantasy Premier League and now just moving on to FI and seeing what I can do in this. Mm. We've got a question here from Bobby Axelrod. What's your username about? And your blog URL is pretty wild too. What's the story there? I was expecting this one, to be honest. It's not very exciting either. It's <laughs> as simple as Dry Off Your Cheeks is the name of a song. 
and I was listening to that song whilst I was scrolling through Twitter and a different out account had that Gaza picture and I just thought it fit well. I needed something to go on. There's my Twitter account name and picture. Just thought it fit well. And then the blog URL is even less exciting. That's just me being cheap. What is the blog URL? So it's basically dry off your cheeks, but then a like an eight or nine digit number. And it's basically because I'm signed up with WordPress. And unless I'm being stupid, they make you pay for like a custom URL. Yeah, they do. So I'm just too Can confirm. To <laughs> fair play, mate. Fair play. We've got a question here from FI Lambings, Gaza, Beckham, Ronaldinho at 21 years old and £10 each. Short, buy, avoid. It's tricky, this one, because he's thrown in two negatives, hasn't he? Which nearly tripped me up. So I could be wrong, but I think Beckham has to be your buy. I think his media appeal is mental. You're buying him at 21. He actually played quite a while in top five leagues, didn't he? And then even when he moves over to America, you're getting all that media. I think the other two is trickier. I'm probably sharing my age here, but I didn't actually know too much about Gaza's career. I know the hype. I know all the internationals. So I actually went and looked at some of his stats and they weren't that amazing. I'm probably going to get slaughtered by some of the older listeners, but I'd honestly think I'd short Gaza. I actually think I would as well. I think he would be hyped, especially around like tournaments and that, that I just wouldn't want to get involved. And I also think Ronaldinho would have been a great buy, but I guess I'll avoid him if I have to buy Beckham. I think mine would have been pretty similar to yours. It's weird, actually. Ronaldinho's stats at Barcelona, actually across his career in the top five leagues, were very good. They're really, really good. Like even by today's standards, even his GNA output for Milan at the latter end of his career was actually really good, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I did actually go a bit deeper into it as well. He specified at 21, so I looked at where they were in their careers at 21, and we're talking about it now with hindsight, which is quite nice. But if you're looking at it, when if you're buying at the time, I think you probably would go with Gaza. Because at 21, Ronaldinho was only just joining PSG mm. before the 2002 World Cup. Hadn't really hit the height. And then at 21, Gaza was just leaving Newcastle, scoring a bunch there, just entering the national team. And you probably would have bought into that hype, I reckon. Mm, probably. Yeah, it's interesting. FI run, fat boy run, who <laughs> he crashed our phone in, didn't he, a couple of weeks back whilst he was running. Favourite Gaza shirt, England, Italia 90 or Lazio 91. Then he actually took pictures and sent them. And, uh, again, I'm probably sure my age, but when I think of Gaza, I always think of, I think it was his Euro 96 look mm. when he had bleach blonde hair and that like popped collar. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's how I think of him. World Cup 90, Italia 90, that's probably the iconic look. But I think for me, yeah, the Euro 96. You know what? We've got one question here about Sancho. It was always going to happen. Harwood Index from the Discord. Clearly, Sancho will be the biggest transfer this summer, but which player will be the second biggest transfer? Really tricky, that. I'm going to probably say Kai Havertz myself. I was going to say that, but is it not all wrapping up soon already? Yeah, I'm kind of being a bit cheap there, aren't I? I know. I was thinking the only thing that I think could keep it going is Leverkusen are still in the Europa. If he plays well in that, you'll kind of get trickle through of stories of what you can expect when he comes to Chelsea. I'm trying to think of a few others. I've written for the newsletter tonight that goes out tonight. You should definitely go subscribe to that if you haven't already. The, the likes of Zaha and Grealish might be up there. I mean, I don't know who's going to buy Zaha out of the big teams. I doubt it would be any of the smarter ones. But Grealish is an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm a United fan myself, so I've been watching the rumours with Grealish can't say I'm a massive fan or that we I'd really want him especially for the price that you're gonna have to pay but I don't think that's gonna stop the rumors he's also not especially like young is he 
he is young, but he's not like he's what three, four years older than Sancho, isn't he? Yeah, not as young as you think he was. No, it's probably going to be the transfer story, but I don't know if the transfer will actually go through. Hmm. Right. Well, let's see where that goes. Just before we move on, I need to plug Index Gain, and they've launched a new product this week, My IG, which helps traders manage their portfolios as well as view real-time spreads and prices across the entire index. Analyze price moves for your players over multiple price periods simultaneously. Get real price alerts straight to your phone for the players you hold or are watching. It's amazing. Honestly, if you haven't checked out My IG yet, do go check it out over on indexgain.co.uk. And if you use the code FIG2020, you get five quid off your first month. Or if you go for their six-month membership, you get a month free and five quid off, which is a pretty good deal. And now with my IG, it's just so much more valuable. You guys need to go check that out. At least go check out the video, see what it looks like. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Dry off your cheeks. Yeah, I'm actually not surprised with this chick game, but I've seen them flying about on Twitter and it does look pretty smart. It's tempting me. <laughs> well, you know what code to use if you did go for it. Question number one, first serious question. FI Tring, lots of people are saying team of the month is a much more predictable dividend than individual performance buzz. What's the best way to model for this? It's quite an in-depth question, this one. The first sentence is true. I think in theory, it should be more predictable. You're less susceptible to outliers because you're not looking for just one PB score. Someone has to score three decently high PB scores within the space of a month. So it should be kind of a regular cohort of players that will be winning. The best way to model this, I mean, I could get quite technical with this and I could speak about it for hours because I've been trying to get my head around this at the moment myself. The most basic way to look at it would be to just simply look at the past months, calculate team of the month scores for each player and see who won, which is kind of like the dividend table that I and a few other Twitter accounts posted not long after the announcement. But if you've read my most recent blog post, I don't really like to think that past dividends are a good measure of past performance. You can get a lot of randomness, a lot of luck. It's probably less likely with the team in the month, but it's still there, especially with the kind of large difference between first and second place. The big difference between 10p and 3p, which I'm not sure too many people have picked up on. Carl Brown once said something really interesting to me, actually. He went, I've just realized something. But in actual fact, if you look at the average score, or you can look at the variance as well, needed to score one point above second place, it's actually just as good an indicator as how likely a player is to win PB, which is really interesting, isn't it? But just to your point around past PB scores, sometimes they aren't a very good indicator, but sometimes they are. It's very important to kind of add context to a lot of these results to kind of make sure that you're forecasting and and predicting properly. But I've interrupted you there very rudely, so please go on. Yeah, I think past PB scores are crucial to any kind of forecasting or modeling that you'll want to do. What's important is how you package those past PB scores up and put them into your model. You don't want to kind of lose any information. You don't want to be averaging it out. You don't want to be picking one score from a range of scores as you would for max PB. And that's why index machines modeling is what we should all be aiming for because you're inputting the entire range of PB scores that a player has recorded and that all goes into the model. You don't reduce the information down. And I actually think that's kind of how you want to look at the team in the month scores and how you model those is in a similar fashion to index machine. But there's a few extra layers on top of it. And so 
you could get a player's team of the month scores or monthly scores, put them in a bag. You would then get a bag of the team of the month winning scores, continuously keep picking one score from each bag, compare which is higher, and then the proportion of times that the player's score is higher than the winning score. That would be their probability of winning the team of the month. And kind of a small thing that you need to account for, which is regarding conditional probability. So when you're looking at whether or not a player can come second or third, the slight problem with trying to model team of the months in the same way that Index Machine does is that we only kind of have nine or ten months worth of data, particularly in the football index data realm. And so you kind of only have 10 data points to compare. And in any statistical sense, 10 data points isn't really going to be enough, as well as the fact that this season and all of its data has been thrown off by COVID. So you're probably even working with a smaller sample. What I would suggest is that you'd need to use some form of simulation to essentially create synthetic data. The most basic form of this would be, instead of looking at it in set months, January, February, March, April, Think about it as like a 30-day rolling window. So the 1st of January to the 30th of January, and then the 2nd of January to the 1st of February. And it kind of synthetically gives you more data points, which you can compare against. It links into kind of what I was talking about in my blog post about how you need to remove like the arbitrary elements out of the data. The months of the year are technically kind of an arbitrary limit that football index are imposing. And a player's team in the month score isn't necessarily dependent on that month, unless you're kind of taking into account how many Champions League games are playing and whatnot. I've got plenty more thoughts on this that are probably way beyond what's needed here. So if anyone wants to talk to me about this, I'm happily to engage them on Twitter. I mean, really fascinating stuff. I think that is really interesting. Some of the things maybe people haven't picked up much on is that aspect that it doesn't necessarily need to be I think it needs to be the 30 day rolling or even some other way to look at it, which is really interesting. Look at the average amount of games a player plays in the periods between that day of the month and the closing period of team of the month. And then look at what that rolling five day score looks like. A lot of you guys are out there who are far more analytically adept than myself might figure out some pretty interesting stuff. But got a question here from FI Headhunter from the Discord. Who do you predict will win the most Team of the Month dividends over the next five seasons? Now, how much do you think they win at current Team of the Month rates? As I've said, all that kind of useful analysis that I've just spoken about is yet to come. <laughs> I'm still thinking about it, still working it. So I'm going to have to go off the slightly worse outputs that I and others on Twitter have put out, mainly looking at how people performed last year. I think for me, Trent is a standout. He just seems to be able to consistently post high scores which isn't common for a defender. I think in that table I put out, even if you limit from September to February, he would have won something like 30p worth of Team of the Month dividends, which is just ridiculous. And then the fact that he's added over the next five seasons has probably made me go a bit youthful, if not overly youthful. Along the same lines as thinking defenders that kind of consistently hit those decently high scores, I've gone with Alfonso Davis. Hmm. I think being able to regularly get Wins and clean sheets just props up scores quite nicely. And then the next two are really boring. I've gone with Sancho and Mbappe. There's a reason that they're priced as they are, and it's because of the dividends that people expect them to win. But I think team of the month especially is just an amalgamation of players' ability to keep hitting high scores. And the fact that we're looking at 
the next five seasons, you're kind of predicting who's going to be moving into their peak yeah. in the next five years. Because people like Messi, I would probably say, is going to be the highest team of the month dividend earner over the next year. Beyond that, I'm not confident at all. It could be zero. It could continue to be like 40, 50p. And the further you do try out and predict, the harder it is, isn't it? Exactly. He's asked us to try and figure out how much they might win. <laughs> I've just kind of taken what people were kind of winning this year and extrapolated that forward. So Trent, at about 40p a year, would be £2. I think he wins the most by quite a way. So I think the rest might be closer to maybe 15 20p a year, which gets you, what, 75p to a pound? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a lot. Five seasons, I mean, it's so hard to predict, isn't it? Over the next five seasons, which is basically how long I've been alive, it's so hard to predict what dividends will look like then, what team of the month will look like then, etc., etc. So, yeah, maybe you can release and maybe collab with Index Machine on what that might look like in the next five seasons. Got a question here from Football Index Focus. Once FI include full-blown team of the month tracking on the app and desktop app, do you think that traders will wake up to the fact that team of the month is a huge addition to the platform? Currently, I wonder whether it's stained with the negativity surrounding the general announcement. Yeah, it's interesting. I think probably has been overlooked slightly, but I think it's kind of hard to understand how much of the dividend increase prior to the announcement was based on the expected PB dividend increase and then how much of that reduction has factored in the fact that these same players will still win team of the month dividends. Regarding how people will pick up on it, I don't think it's going to blow up. I think it will be something that people kind of gradually click onto. The payout only being 10p is the same as a gold day win now, just a gold day position win. So I don't think people are going to be sort of clambering on like they would in that sense. But as I said earlier, I think it will be the same players kind of winning regularly. Mm. When people start seeing the same players, say your Trent, continuously picking them up, I think that's when people will realise. Yeah, I think it hasn't been priced in for sure. I don't think it's even been priced in very slightly. I do think Focus is right here that it has been stained by the negativity surrounding the general announcement. But I do think it is one of those things, as you said, when you see players score consistently in there, people will eventually buy, especially those longer term traders. Well, it wasn't the only thing that we got from the dividend announcement that was new. Carl Brown says, do you believe trading styles will alter at all next season with the introduction of team of the month and goalkeeper dividends? Love your work. So a bit of word of praise there from Carl, which is great. But also, do you think trading styles are going to alter at all with the introduction of these two new dividend mechanics or categories? I can see Team of the Month maybe changing specifically regarding players that are on to win Team of the Month. So, Especially if it's the same kind of players winning, right? Yeah, if it's the exactly, Messies and the yeah. Trents who are already good at PB, it might not actually offer up too much value elsewhere, apart from if fixtures are, are something that you can look at or if someone hits a real big patch of form, right? Yeah, I think that's what my thing is. I think the, the kind of players that are going to be winning Team of the Month are the kind of players that are winning dividends regularly anyway. I think what you might see is that shorter term trading, like you say, someone's got a lot of fixtures. If they've got a clump of, I don't know, seven or eight, that might be quite a lot for a month and they look relatively easy, you might have people starting to move on. And similarly, kind of once the month started, if you have people posting one or two high scores early in the month, you might see people starting to jump in, much like you do kind of with the early kickoffs when people score high PB scores in those early kickoffs, people like to jump on. With goalkeepers, I think it might not be your trading styles that alter, but you almost have a separate trading style for goalkeepers. Dividends 
are lower, but I also think that they're probably going to be a bit more consistent, a bit more regular, just by the fact that the player pool's massively smaller and the way that the keeper PV matrix is set out seems like it favours certain areas. Mm. So you'll just kind of get, again, a clump of players that regularly pick them up. But I think because of that, because it's lower payouts but more regular, you'll probably see like a longer-term trading. You'll sort of buy a keeper that you think is going to do well for the long term. I don't know how well it would pay off to kind of zip in and out of goalkeepers. Yeah, I totally agree. I think they will be more the the sit and hold type of goalkeepers, won't they? They will be more longer term. They might actually, I predict, be quite illiquid in general. So it might be something that people look at more longer term, which I think is probably wise. We've got a couple of questions here from Sigmund Freud. Excellent guest and one of the best new brackets or old FI Twitter accounts. My questions are, one, why do you think people find it hard to think probabilistically as opposed to black or white thinking? Yeah, so I'm sure Sigmund could probably give you the proper psychological reasons himself. For me, I guess just because it's not quite natural for people, especially when you're looking backwards, when the outcomes are definitive, a team won or lost a game, people don't really like to be told that that wasn't the most likely outcome from what happened on the pitch as well as the fact that because you're trying to predict definitive outcomes, people like to try and forecast definitively. And on that first point, with people, particularly in football, you get it that kind of that phrase, all that matters is the three points, or as long as they got the win, that's all that matters, which is, I guess, correct if you're looking backwards. If you look at the trying to tell who won the league last year, you're going to look at the table and see who won or on points won. But if you're trying to look forward and you're trying to forecast, the outcome isn't always the best measure of that. You need to understand kind of the process that underlies that and understand that the outcome that happened wasn't necessarily the most likely. Yes, yeah, so I, I guess how that relates to FI is that if someone buys a 10p player and that one 10p player wins dividends, they're going to assume that, or they're at least going to tell you on Twitter, that that trade was a great trade, there was no risk involved, they knew that that was going to happen. When in reality, the probabilities were probably against them. And if you look at the wide range of 10p players, probably not many of them that have won dividends, but also the same is applicable at the top end. It's more likely that the players are going to win dividends, but the values reflect that. And so you kind of need to understand the wide range of probabilities, the wide range of outcomes that could happen around those dividend wins. So probabilities are also just really important for how FI works. It probably applies, well, it does apply to kind of the general gambling world, but particularly for FI mechanics, probabilities are really important, most notably just by how PB dividends, MB dividends are paid out in the fact that you have to come top to win dividends. And if you don't come top, your score is essentially useless. But we still know that a score of 280 is better than a score of 100. And so being able to assign probabilities to how good that score was is massively important to then forecast that forward. We know that the person scoring 280 is probably going to post higher scores going forward. There's also greater need to think about PB scores themselves probabilistically. Mm. Yeah, I think I mentioned it in one of the blog posts, but you can still have a PB score that happened by chance and it probably won't happen again in terms of, say, a defender that scores two goals 
gets a game-winning goal, clean sheet, the lot, posts a 300. But then if they don't score two goals again, they're probably never going to hit that same height. And so understanding which parts of PB scores have high variance, something like goals, the probability of them happening is steady, but the kind of variance around that is quite high. Whereas something like the number of passes a player makes is probably a bit more steady and almost the error margins on that are a lot lower. Yeah, I think there's a lot of quite interesting things to look at there. When you get to PB scores, I think I mentioned that contextualization again, when you're talking about the defender that scores two goals, that actually increases perception that he is a good PB player when they might have just had a very fluke result that has varied that PB score massively and thus varied their PB average and so on and so forth. There's kind of a domino effect when you get into the really deep bits of analytics, isn't there? But his second question is, how much does this type of probabilistic thinking guard against overconfidence? Yeah, I think the second part of the question is a bit more intuitive. If you're going from saying an event will happen 100% of the time or 0% of the time to now saying there's 70% chance it will and then 30% it won't, you're kind of automatically reducing that overconfidence. You're starting to acknowledge that kind of random events or unexpected events can happen. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things that it's like, oh, can I throw this piece of paper in the bin? In your head, you're like, yes, I can or no, I can't, which is the black and white thinking. But in actual fact, your head should be like, I know this is a very bland example, but okay, there's an 85% chance that I put it in. The consequence of if I don't get it in, the 50% chance, 15% chance that I don't get it in is that I have to go over and pick it up and put it in the bin. And that is the kind of probabilistic thinking that Sigmund is talking about. The way it guards against overconfidence is simply that you can kind of make risk versus reward assumptions. It's like, okay, if I throw it in the bin, there's an 85% chance I save some time and I don't have to get up from my seat. There's a 15% chance that I have to get up and I have to put it in the bin after I've missed. But those are the kind of risk versus reward. Again, I've used the shittest example on planet Earth, but here we are. So the next question is from Index Analyst. Predicting a player's PB performance for a new club, for example, Sancho to Man United. Do you think it's possible? What statistics would you use to build your analysis? The Man United team data or player data for a comparable player such as Rashford? Or something else? Another great guess, by the way. I think the two main things that you want to understand is Sancho's performance at Dortmund, because that's essentially all we have to rate his kind of player quality, his past performance. And I think you want to marry that with the overall Man United kind of team performance. I don't think I'd want to try and match him up with similar players. Could you look at the kind of maybe the players that have played there before in those positions or the average forward score, the average midfielder score? Is that not something that you could do that could help your kind of forecasting in that manner? You could. I'm just thinking about it in this example in terms of Man United. This season we've had Dan James playing there and then subsequently Mason Greenwood. And I presume Sancho would slot into that right wing. And I just think Sancho, the quality of Sancho is kind of incomparable, especially to Dan James. And I would also argue (laughs) Mason Greenwood. And so trying to equate players in that way, I don't think quite works. I think you kind of need to treat the player as an individual. That is their quality. And you would need to, as I say, compare that with the team output. I know United are kind of trending upwards slightly at the moment, which is nice. And you'd assume that that's going to kind of increase if Sancho joins. I'm getting ahead of myself there. Are you a United fan? 
Yeah. Oh, there we I go. Know, I'm getting excited. I don't blame you. I would look at those two. I would also want to look at some way of how do a player's stats transfer from league to league? How do yeah. their PP scores transfer? How do things like their XG, their XG assisted? And obviously, you still need to factor in things like his age curve. He's still approaching his peak. He's actually not even quite near it yet. Those are the kind of things that I'd be looking at. Amazing. Amazing. Well, just before we move on, I need to plug the athletic and I won't ask you what you bought for £2.49 because we did that right at the start of the show, Hay Fever Medicine. That's what Dry Off Your Cheek said. But if you guys do want to check out The Athletic, there is a subscription-based news site delivering in-depth sports coverage. They feature football reporters you know and love like David Ornstein, James Pierce, Sam Lee and Rafa Honig's team. They are telling stories you won't find anywhere else. And during transfer season, it is pivotal that you have an Athletic subscription. So if you do want to get one for a discount, you go over to theathletic.co.uk slash fig that is for 50% off your annual subscription and it comes down to about £2.49 a month I bought some frozen fruit today that cost me about £3.25 absolutely ridiculous ridiculous these days FI Warnock best strategy for maximising ROI for goalkeepers hashtag Paddy Kenny I love that hashtag Paddy Kenny (laughs) I did actually go and Google it and apparently Warnock has signed Paddy Kenny five times in his career (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it has to be some sort of record. There's something weird going on there. <laughs> For the actual question, we kind of touched on it briefly earlier that definitely think kind of that long-term approach is better, the long-term hold. And I probably should just add something that I mentioned on Twitter. I can't remember who I was talking to. And it's just kind of my guess, kind of my intuition, but there's kind of a limited number of stats that I think are relevant for a keeper. And they all depend on the style of the team. So the kind of four that I kind of have picked out are wins, clean sheets, saves and passes. With no real analysis, I feel like they kind of make up the majority of a keeper's points. And they all, to some extent, depend on the team that the keeper's playing for. I had a quick look at FI Data Stevens' past dividend winners, if the goalkeeper dividend had been in place. I think he's got it for like the past three years. And it seems to be those top teams that keep clean sheets, get wins and have Keepers that are involved in the build-up that make lots of passes. I guess the strategy I'd be looking at was be trying to identify those keepers that play in those sorts of teams. But I probably think quite a lot of people know that. So maybe you would want to look towards players who might be joining those teams soon. Or yeah, we want a kind of career trajectory to be joining those sorts of teams. I think on the goalkeeper side, we touched on the concentration of the dividend payouts, right? But if you consider how many goalkeepers there actually are that start week in week out there's essentially less than 80 right oh no that's terrible math there's less than 100 (laughs) and it is kind of looking at that and thinking about who is going to yield the most who has the most longevity around them who is most likely to play in the league and in Europe which is quite rare for goalkeepers but again Champions League and Premier League for example isn't that rare it's more the Europa League and league side of things but that is going to be interesting to see how people look at goalkeepers for me I think one interesting thing is going to be reserve goalkeepers and if they come in before European games or if the first team keeper gets injured or red carded it's going to be really interesting to see that really interesting to see that FI Eagle hi gents do you think media is undervalued by the community as it's cooler to be a PB trader media has a bigger payout on a bronze day than positional winners and media days has bigger payouts on silver days than a positional winner not including media madness what are your thoughts on media in general and what are your thoughts on this question yes yeah, so a lot of my all of my analysis so far has been on pb so i guess i'm a little less knowledgeable on media i guess on his first question i think it probably is slightly undervalued 
at least from a monetary perspective. What I hear a lot of traders sort of mention here and there is kind of that enjoyment factor as well. And for me, at least, kind of why I joined FI and why I like it so much is trying to kind of rate a footballer's on-pitch quality. And so I think because that's where traders get a bit more excitement, that's where they probably wait a bit more of where they put their money, where they're trying to get winnings. I'm trying to unpick the caller. I guess it's probably why (laughs) people post more about it on Twitter and the forums. I think that might be mainly just due to the data that's available. There's a lot more data that's available for PB and a lot more people willing to put time in and analyze PB. I definitely think there's kind of a gap of data for MB for people to work with. Index Gain have obviously started to delve into that. They now have all the stories, I think. It's a lot harder to model, isn't it, really? Yeah, I think I have some crazy ideas about how we could start to measure it differently. Being able to classify stories in some way would help a lot with analysis. If you're able to sort of classify a story as a transfer story or classify it as a performance-related story, I think you'd be able to much better distinguish those players who are going to get kind of a hot streak of media in the lead-up to their transfer that then disappears. And you'll be able to kind of identify them players who get much more regular dividends. And it'd be a difficult task. It could be done. There's a data science technique called natural language processing, which is all about text analysis, which would be a really interesting project. I think it's just people like trying to analyze football that gets played on the pitch. That's what they enjoy doing. Mm. I know people like me, I came across from, as I said, Fantasy Premier League. I think others that come over from maybe even like football manager, traditional gambling, it's just more second nature to tend towards wanting to analyze what's on the pitch. Mm. That's probably why media gets a bit of a backseat. Yeah, I think people just do enjoy it more. It's more exciting, but it can be lucrative, Media Buzz. People need to pay attention to that. FI and Tonic, who I think has asked a serious question for the first time in Figcast history from the Discord, who are the top five winners from this media madness period? I think we mentioned a few of them earlier when we were talking about transfers. I think everyone will know Sancho is the obvious one. I've got Havertz down. I think the transfer even if it's kind of finalised in the next few days, I think there'll continue to be talk, especially if he performs well in the Europa League. And again, I've got Grealish down as kind of that ongoing transfer saga that I hope and think won't result in a transfer, but it looks like it will be ongoing. And then it will depend a lot on who performs well in the European Cups. You could quite easily see Neymar, Messi, Ronaldo racking up media wins as they progress through the tournament. Again, wishful thinking. I've got United could go far in the Europa. <laughs> could bring in some Bruno and Pogba dividends, but could quite as likely bring in some more De Gea dividends if he makes them. <laughs> well, I mean, could that be someone, right? Could United maybe go for a goalkeeper? Could Chelsea maybe go for a goalkeeper? I mean, it seems that both of them might look to shore that position up. So maybe there's a goalkeeper out there who could be one of the top five, top 10 beneficiaries of this transfer window. I think that's totally possible. I don't know who it might be, it could be someone out of nowhere like Kepper, but let's see, I guess. That's definitely a point. I think the Henderson, will he rejoin United? Will he go back out somewhere? Will he even transfer to someone like Chelsea? Yeah, that could definitely be a story as the summer progresses. Mm, for sure. We've got a question here from FI Oracle. In line with a the forecasting theme, if Sancho does join Man United this summer, you'll have five attackers in that team all competing for dividends, all of whom are priced over £7. Does Sancho joining make some of them overpriced? So we've got Bruno, we've got Rashford, we've got Greenwood, and then we've got 
Sancho if he does join. I wouldn't really consider Pogba an attacker, but I guess I see his point. There's four or five players there potentially, maybe even throw Martial in there as £3 plus, that all are competing for the same or similar dividends. What are your thoughts here? So it's been a much debated thing in the Football Index community, actually, this. Yeah, it's a really tricky issue because there's quite a lot at play. You have to try and trade off that, at least from a PB side. How much will Sancho overshadow the people in the team at the moment? Or how much will he raise their games? How much will he raise their scores just by the fact that he's an upgrade on who's currently playing the position? So from a PB side, I'm actually quite optimistic. I think he comes in, he improves the team, improves our attacking threat, and in turn improves Rashford, Martial, Bruno's PB scores. I've probably got a little bit of concern around Greenwood. I think Sancho, if he were to come, would eat into some of Greenwood's minutes that he started to see, particularly post-lockdown, I guess. And it probably is a little bit more concern around media. I think Sancho could almost come in and be the new toy that the press and the journals like to write about. And I think media more so than PB can be kind of sucked up by one player. Yeah, I don't think you're too wrong. You know, just look at what happened with Bruno when he first came in, right? The new toy and still is there. The new toy is obviously priced highly and people are buying him because of those dividends that he's winning as the new toy. So. I'm not really too surprised at that happening. Again, the Greenwood minutes, you know, is there someone like a Mata or a Dan James, maybe who becomes even more of a deputy? Mata's probably leaving, isn't he? So I don't know if it eats into his minutes too much, but again, it's probable that it will eat into him a little bit. We've got a question here from Phil Tyra. Explain blocked shot gate and why people should be more bothered than they seemingly are. I like how he's just chucked gate on the end of it and suddenly it's a scandal. Yeah, what's all this about? It's one of them weird things that you find when you delve too deep into the data. Essentially, what I was doing was trying to recreate PB scores kind of from the underlying stats, similar to what Iceberg Index does on Twitter with the match day winners. And essentially, I couldn't get it to add up, couldn't get the stats that I was using to add up to the FI scores and realized my blocks shots stat wasn't matching what FI had. And it turns out that I'd wrongly assumed that a blocked shot was a defensive action, i.e. a player blocking an opponent's shot. And what FI actually measure is the kind of offensive action of a player shooting that gets blocked by an opponent. I guess why Phil's turning into a little bit of controversy is FI in their kind of information material and in like their dashboard have the blocked shot down as a defensive action. And it's probably why myself and I think like 52% of other traders, according to my poll, understood a block shot to be a defensive action. So mm. kind of in the first instance, it would be really useful for FI to kind of change their information material, display material, just to show that the block shot that they're using is the attacking definition. It does get slightly weirder. I spoke to Phil about this. <laughs> FI are giving goalkeepers that get a shot blocked by an opponent 20 points. That's not Which possible. doesn't make sense. What do you mean? So if a goalie goes up for a corner, shoots, and it gets blocked, they get 20 points. That happens like twice a season, doesn't it? I mean, it is fucking weird. I even went back just to confirm it. I found a case, I can't remember when, but it was Dean Henderson managed to do it in a game, and he got the 20 points for it. That is so weird. Yeah, it suggests that there's some weird quirk going in and, on in the Matrix here in that Either FI just need to change their material to show that they're using the attacking definition 
or it could be that they think they're using a different stat to what they are. I'm presuming it's the former. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. It is something that I'm in contact with them at the moment. We'll hopefully get it all cleared out. <laughs> You've let them know. Fair play. Let me know how Block Shot Gate goes. Got a question here from FI Nate. FI went with the rip the band eight off approach with a dividend review. Long-term product improvement, bad for the current market. Think they will do similar for the media review, question mark. For example, a 60-40 split with UK foreign sources. If so, a trade is sleeping on a massive potential swing in value. I mean, that would be quite something, wouldn't it? Something crazy, wouldn't it? I know. I'm going to try not to make some of the same bold claims that yourself and Panda have, only to be Stumped by FI's result and <laughs> announcement. Just don't try to do it anymore, mate. You know, it's pointless at this point. And this is just purely my guess. I don't think that they're going to be too extreme. I did go and have a look, and at least with kind of foreign sources, I think at most they'll kind of turn to the European sources and ones from kind of the top five leagues, top five countries. And looking at it, there aren't too many sources, and there's even fewer that actually post in English. If FI want to avoid the whole hassle of trying to translate articles, I can't see it coming in as extreme as a 60-40. I think I'm tending towards 15-20%. I was going to say 20, max. Yeah, I think it will be a slight swing towards those players, those top players in the European leagues. But I still think that other countries talk about the Premier League quite a lot and probably still disproportionately more than the UK media talk about foreign players, football happening in foreign countries. I'm not expecting too radical of a change. I think there might actually be bigger changes caused if they change some of the dynamics of how the media works. If they change things like the first name, last name, what gets picked up, that's going to be quite significant for specific players. I know FBI Trade has done a lot of analysis onto that. I'm not expecting, and I guess I'm hoping for small tweaks that help us to improve. Yeah, agreed. I think there's a couple of bits that need refinement and then it's looking at what else needs to be done after that to kind of really make it far, far better, right? So it's, let's see what happens. And I guess this week, right, by the time this podcast goes out on Sunday, you'd hope that we'd have a bit more clarity because they said by the end of July and it is, by all means, <laughs> only July for another two or three days. So got a question here from Northern FI from the Discord, which players do you have your eyes on having a breakthrough season or just another huge season if they were doing well? I guess that's for next season. Dry off your cheeks. I'm going to tend away from the, what he's got in the brackets there of who might have a, another huge season because I think you're just going to kind of recycle the usual names of Mbappe, Trent, Sancho. So those that might have a bit of a breakthrough season. I guess he's already come onto the scene quite heavily. I think Kulisevsky with his move to Juventus, I think now that he's playing at a top team, playing in the Champions League. He might already be quite well known in the FI sphere. I don't think he's very well known beyond that as a household name. And I think he's on the trajectory towards that. From kind of a more FI perspective, I think Zagadou at Dortmund. I think if you talk to a few of the other data guys, I think also quite like him. He's quietly posting quite high scores. I think he would have won a team in the month dividend last year had it been in place. With kind of that three at the back at Dortmund, I think Peace Check has been in that right centre back role whilst Zagadou's been injured. I think he could emerge next season. And one more who's been scoring quite highly on kind of your expected statistics, your expected goals and expected goals plus assists is Baumgartner in the Bundesliga, a 19 year old who I don't actually think is on FI. I looked for him <laughs> recently, but in putting up ridiculously impressive numbers for a 19 year old and will probably be an IPO soon once they get that all sorted out. 
Yeah, lots of players that need to be IPO'd. I think a lot of them that have come, kind of come to people's eyes and forefronts of their minds during this COVID period when, when some of these youngsters have given more minutes considering their condition or just that people need more squad depth with the five subs, etc. What I think that's all we've got time for, mate. You've been fantastic on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find out more about you on Twitter and so on and so forth? So I am dry off your cheeks on Twitter. My actual at is dry off your cheek because Twitter didn't let me have one more character. And if you get to there, you'll find a blog website, a WordPress that is dry off your cheeks with nine random numbers (laughs) at the end of it. I think that's the reason I couldn't get Football Index Guide as a handle either as well. Character limits, they need to stop that. Need to be a bit more lenient. (laughs) If you guys are commuting right now, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe wash your hands and all that good stuff. If you're not commuting, doing whatever you're doing, have a great day. Sorry we didn't get to answer all your questions. There were loads that came in last minute as well that we just couldn't get through. Football Index is a gambling platform. Only bet what you can afford to lose and stop when the fun stops. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. 